You're listening to audio from Grove Park Baptist Church. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.groveparkchurch.net. One of the great things about Christmas at our house is a selection of gifts that Eliza and I give each other, which has spent a great amount of time being prepared and planned for. It isn't clothes, it isn't anything that most of us would get excited about, but for the two of us, we get really excited. I spend weeks in preparation for the purchase of these gifts. In fact, when we got married, our wedding invitations invited people to the joining of our lives and libraries. Does that give you a hint at what these gifts may be? We love to read. And so the stack of books that we give each other on Christmas is is looked forward to with great excitement. Now, I don't like to read fluffy stuff. I don't like to read stuff that I can just go through and swallow with, without chewing too much on it. I, I like to read books that, that are engaging, that, that are so well written and compelling that it makes me feel like that I'm in the book. Like if I'm reading a biography, I want it to be so good that when the person in the biography dies, I feel like I have lost my best friend. One of the books that I finished reading over the last week was a, a book on 1968. And it walked through that whole dramatic year in world history. And I found myself, it was so well written, I found myself as, as Dr. King is approaching Memphis saying, don't go to Memphis because I, I knew what was going to happen there that sad April evening. And when Bobby Kennedy is walking through the Ambassador Hotel in June, I'm reading as the, the writer says, and he did not go the path that was assigned. I'm saying, don't do it, follow instructions. And I'm getting angry and upset. And all these emotions are bubbling up within me. Crazy, isn't it? You should see me when I actually read fiction. I read a book called A Man Called Oove last year and Eliza came into the bedroom as I finished it and I'm weeping and I don't cry. And Eliza thought I got a call that somebody in the family had died. Someone had in the book. It occurs to me though that you and I, when we interact with scripture, we interact with it completely different than how we interact with everything else that we read. You know, too often you and I come to scripture one of two ways generally. We treat it as a source of information and, it, and we read it as a source of information and we read it with, with such vitality that it's like reading a dictionary. Oh, that's how I'm supposed to spell that. Okay, I'll remember that from now on and way to go on. 
Now, I bet if I took a poll out here, I wouldn't find a single one of you with a dictionary on your nightstand. Others of us, maybe all of us, sometimes treat the scriptures, though, with such deference, with such reverence that, that we suck all the vitality out of it. We, we forget that, that these are real people that we are reading about in sacred writ. We forget that, that they have real emotions. We make them one-dimensional. And in doing so, too often I think we leave them without any real depth or personality. Beloved, either approach is detrimental, I believe, as it often leaves our faith and our presentations of our faith dry and undesirable for those that we are trying to reach with the life-giving knowledge of the gospel. I fear that this is especially true when we encounter Jesus and his earthly pilgrimage here on earth. For just a moment, I want us to consider what John refers to in his gospel as the signs of the Messiah. In other words, the proofs that Jesus is a, the Messiah. Because I think it provides for us a snapshot, not of a one-dimensional person, but a snapshot of a person who is all about joy and fun. Think about it. The very first person, the very first miracle, excuse me, that we encounter that Jesus does, the first sign, John says, is when Jesus turns the water into wine at a party to keep the party going. Think about that. We just read it as a great miracle. But it's a, it's a party and Jesus brings in, changes the water into not just wine, but the writer says, the best wine to keep the party going. In the fourth of these signs in John, we find that Jesus changes five loaves and two fishes into enough food to feed 5,000 people. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think that those 5,000 people sat there with their hands crossed, quiet and pious, as they were, the disciples were passing out the food? Or do you think they started whispering? Do you think that they were giddy with anticipation about what it might taste like? Do you think there was some excitement? I mean, after all, they, they, were, they were hungry. The other night I, I came home and, and I had uh, had breakfast, but I had skipped lunch and it was Wednesday night, which means that I had skipped dinner. And when I got home about nine o'clock, I walked in and with exceeding great joy, I walked in, I didn't care what it was, I was gonna eat it. And it was so good, I went back and ate more. And then Liza said, do you, do you want a, a dessert? And I'm like, no, I, I feel like I need an infusion of something right now because I've done it ain't too much. Do you think those 5,000 people were quiet when they were being fed? Do you really believe that any miracle that Jesus did was received quietly and reverently? 
You think the man in John 5 when he's healed at the pool of Bethesda just simply walked? Or do you think he ran? You think he jumped? Do you think the man born blind in John 9 when he first gains his sight is simply grateful? Or do do you, do you think he goes, did you see that? Did you see that? Have you seen what a tree looks like? I, I think he probably was like that. Do you think there was a party in John 4 after the official's son is healed? When Jesus says go and the man goes and he finds that his son was healed at the moment that Jesus spoke, that Jesus didn't even go to the man's house, that Jesus just spoke and it happened. Do you think there was a party at the official's house when he came and found out that his son was healed? Or do you think they just said, oh, he's healed, let's go back to work. You say, but pastor, it doesn't say that. And guess what? You're right, it doesn't. But let me ask you this question. If books that were written by mere men and women can invoke such reactions as, say, that book about 1968 that I just read had invoked in me, do, do you not think that when a text is placed before us that was written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, as we believe sacred scripture is, that it would not trigger the same Holy Spirit in our hearts to put us into that text and let us feel the emotion and the joy of that moment. Beloved, it is with this hope that we will seek in this new year to encounter scriptures and experience the emotion and the vitality that are contained within that we launch a new series this morning. A series that will remind us that celebration and joy are at the center, are at the very heart of Christian teaching, Christian life, and Christian community. That will say in agreement with Dr. Tony Campolo, the kingdom of God is a party. And we would rejoice in that. And so let us take a moment this morning and look in on a party. Maybe one of the first parties that Jesus ever went to, found here in Matthew chapter number two. And as we look into the text, we encounter, the very first people we encounter are people who are looking for a party. They aren't sure what that party is. They aren't sure necessarily where it is or what kind of party, but they know it's a party. Look with me at verses one and two. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. It is believed that the wise men here in the text were Zoroastrians who studied the stars and they had noticed in their study of the constellations a a unique alignment that signaled to them the arrival of a new king in Judea. 
And so in our text this morning, they travel to Jerusalem in search of this new king and they travel. What do you think they're thinking as they go? You think they're thinking they're just going to go to a quiet place or do you think that because there's a new king, they're going to walk in on a coronation celebration? You think it will be a a big, big party that they're walking in on? I expect so. Coronations, after all, were, were grand affairs back then. It's been so long since we've seen a coronation in England that I think we forget about how big a deal they are. We Americans, we don't think much about coronations, but they're pretty big deals. They're going expecting that. They go seeking that, but they don't find that. Beloved, just for a moment this morning, I want to ask you, do you ever stop and think about what people are saying to you? Do you ever stop and, and, and watch what they are doing and realize that what they are saying and what they are doing is the fact that they are in search of a celebration? They're in search of a party. They're in search of something that that meets the need in their souls for joy and peace. They're looking for a party and a celebration that only God in a relationship with his son can throw and yet they keep missing it. They seek it in relationships. They seek it in their job. They seek it in the kind of home they purchase. They seek it in the money that they have. They seek it in all sorts of things, but they keep finding out that there is no party the magi are like that they go searching and they find out that there's not and so when they go they go in search of someone who maybe can help them find the party that has information that they're not privy to let me ask you another question Do you live a life where people who are looking for a party will ask you if you know where the party's at? Do you look like a party person? I'm looking at you this morning. You're all sitting there and you're going. I mean, if I had come in this morning wearing tie-dye, you'd say, he's done lost his mind. And I'd say, we're going to a party. The Magi go in search of the party and they go to talk to people that they think that might know where the party is. Look with me at verses three through six. When Herod the king heard this, He was troubled in all of Jerusalem with him and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people. He inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. They expect the king of Israel to know about this king who has been born. It's probably in his family, right? And they go to see Herod for the answer, but Herod's only a nominal Jew. He's more in love with power than he is with godliness. He doesn't know the answer. 
They asked the most important question they could ever ask, where is Jesus? And the person who should have known the answer doesn't know. If the Magi came to you today, could you answer their question? Not only would you, they seek you out to answer the question, would you be able to answer the question? How would you even receive the question? Did you notice in the text? It says when they ask him the question in verse number three, it says he was troubled. He was troubled to the point that all Jerusalem, the text tells us, was troubled. When someone asks you the hope that you profess, do you go, I don't know. When someone asks you about what is so different in your life and how they can find Jesus, do you ever say, well, let me call the preacher and he'll come over in just a minute? Beloved, the party is with you. They're coming to you. They want you to be able to answer the question because they know you. And how you receive the question is important. You don't deflect, you don't push off. You say, yeah, come on, I got it. You know, last night we went to the movies. Guy walks up to me, I'm sitting in my seat. You know, they got assigned seats now at the movies out here at Alamance Crossing. Guy sits, comes up to me, he says, uh, you're in my seat. I said, oh no, I'm not. D5, buddy. And I was, I was, just, I was just hoping he's going to ask me to get up because I was going to like, no, I'm here. I got my ticket to prove it. Beloved, do you, do you get ready and excited when you think somebody might ask you about Jesus or do you run away from them? Herod is troubled. Now, it's not only how you receive the question that's important, it's how you answer the question that's important. Notice with me, verses seven through nine. He says, then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way and behold the star that they had seen when it rose went before them. Did you notice Herod there? He comes to him secretly. Here's this great question to be answered and, and he, he pulls them to the side. He says, I gotta ask you a question. When did you first see it? Hmm. What's he doing? And did you notice also that, that it's, he says here, will you go on to Bethlehem and I'll go when you come back and tell me where he is. Now see, Herod has already played his hand here. They're in search of a king, they tell him. And Herod says, 
Where's the Christ to be born? Herod understands that this isn't just some ordinary king. This is the anointed one of God. This is the one who is going to bring about a whole disorder in the world and establish God's kingdom fully on the earth. There is so much wrapped up in this figure. And yet Herod says, you go. And beloved, before we think that this is a long distance, that from Jerusalem to Bethlehem, it's six miles. If you and I left right now, we could make six miles by the end of the Ravens game this afternoon. And he says, you, you, you go. There's no joy here. There's fear. There's suspicion. There's all sorts of emotions playing out in how he answers the question. When you answer the world's questions about the party of heaven, do you answer them with grace and compassion or are you answering hypocritically? Are you answering judgmentally? Are you answering in a, in a way that, that has no grace? Do they want to hear your answer at the end? You, you see, beloved, how you answer the question has an impact. It has an impact on, on whether or not they'll ever go back to answer you again. How do I know? Look at verse number 12. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. There was something that they encountered in this private meeting with Herod that, that when the dream came, they didn't pass it off as, as indigestion. They didn't pass it off as, as some nightmare. They, they said, you know, there's something to this. We better not go back. Are you leaving your life open to people coming back and asking you questions about the faith that you profess about the joy that you have about the party of the kingdom of heaven or are you closed off I'm very thankful today that this side parlay that Herod has with the Magi does not result in them going back home doesn't stop them in their quest for the party. Notice with me verse 10 and 11. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. They went in and worshipped the king of kings with exceedingly great joy. Joy. This word worship here literally means that they threw themselves down and prostrated. They dropped to their knees and they, their head hit the floor and they just worshiped him. Let me ask you something. Not your Sunday morning worship. Your daily worship. How you live your life for the king of kings outside of this building. Does it make anybody want it? Does it cause exceeding great joy to flow out into the world? 
Because ultimately, beloved, the world will answer the question about where the party is if you bring the party. They'll ask the question, where's the party? If through your worship of God, you bring the party every day into your sphere of influence to where you are. Does the Christ child today still fill you with wonder? Or have you put him back in the box until next Christmas? Are you still throwing a party for him now? You know, in the Christian walk, as I see it, there are two types of people. There are party poppers and party poopers. Party poppers, you know what a party popper is? We got one for Scarlet, we got a whole bunch for Scarlet. They have this little drawstring and you pull the, the drawstring and, uh, and, and confetti goes shooting out. More confetti in my living room than I know what to do with. Party pooper, the best picture I can give you is Eeyore. Woe is me. See, one letter is really important. Party pooper, party popper. If we want to reach Alamance County with the gospel, if we want to change the world, we have to throw a party for God every moment of every day of our lives. And when they come here, they have to come to a party too. And we have to be party poppers. I mean, really, beloved, are you just ready to ignite for Jesus? I mean, if someone were to pull your string, would you go, woohoo! And yes, I cleared air with that. The Magi, the Magi, they were party poppers. The world is desperately, desperately looking for a party. If you don't believe me, look at the opioid addiction in this country. The question is, are they going to find it here? Which letter are you today? Do you bring the P to the party? I pray that you do. Let us pray. God, we want to be a people in this brand new year, the year of our Lord, 2019, that throws a party every day. Not a party for ourselves, but a party for you. A party that sings of your glory and might, a party that sings of just how great and awesome you are. that invites people, like Tomlin said, 
Come sing with me how great is our God. Lord, if there's anything that's preventing us from being a party popper, I pray that you would expose it in our lives right now and we would deal with it that we may live this year fully inviting folks to heaven's party. Speak amongst your people now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.